the FD, absolutely the conversation is about making his or her life easier um, and giving them something that they've not seen before because many don't know that these sorts of systems exist. Welcome to the Instech London podcast. This is Matthew Grant. And in this episode, I'm back at Lloyd's in the lab, this time talking to Stuart Conabair and Ian Jones from Finsys. Now, Finsys is one of the companies in the third cohort at the Lloyd's lab. They started in 2010, and they're bringing together some of the key financial information that helps insurers get better and faster insights into performance. The most recent cohort at Lloyd's brings together more established companies this time than the prior ones. It's scale-ups rather than startups. Uh, and their goal is to tackle some of the key areas that are going to be identified in the future of Lloyd's paper released at the end of September. And efficiency is very much one of those areas. The Instead London podcasts are being supported by Insurance Insider this month. And the Insider helps us keep up to the minute with breaking news and insights into the global specialty and reinsurance market and actually the new technology they're using as well. You can download a free copy of Insurance Insider from the episode notes with this podcast. Welcome to the Instat London podcast. We're back in one of my favorite places to do podcasts, the padded cell in the Lloyd's lab. You're, uh, you're, you're two weeks into your Lloyd's Lab experience. Is it a bit like going back to school when you're uh, making new friends and finding out what everyone's been up to in the, in the first couple of weeks? We've met uh, far too many people. I've forgotten half of them already. We've a few foreign companies on the uh, cohort, which are easier to, uh, to remember. And uh, it's a huge number of uh, people to add to my LinkedIn uh, profile. Stuart, let's talk a little bit about FinSys and what you do. You've got 27 employees now. You're focusing around financial accounting, uh, regulatory reporting, and analytical needs. Could you just talk a little bit about what that means in practice, and maybe a word about some of the clients you're working with? Richard um, had the this vision really. He'd spent um, many years inside um, Ace and Chubb building um, similar systems. We look to kind of automate everything from front end systems being policy and claim systems through down to the general ledger. And, and really what we're trying to do is remove um, the spreadsheets, the, um, the, the kind of small IT um, solutions that are holding data um, siloed and, and lots and lots of manual processes. We, we see ourselves quite niche. There's, there's no one really doing what we do, certainly in the UK and, and the London market. Well, you've got a, a pretty impressive list of clients, both what you've got on your website, Atrium, MSM, Linstar, CNA, Hardy, XL, Catlin, NSTAR. You've got a few more in there. So clearly you've, you're doing something right. You've moved beyond the POC. But for those of us that are not deep into financial accounting and how it works in the insurance world, could you give some specifics around you know, what your solutions are doing that other people can't do uh, and, how, and how, how are you working with the whole back end and front end of your yeah. client systems? We look at it on a product basis. So rather than building um, bespoke solutions for each client, um, we felt that we could design enough of a product that meant that each time we uh, go into one of these customers, 80% of the, the work is already there and we can spend the rest of the time focusing on what makes them unique, uh, what policy admin systems they have, whether that's a, a London market system like Eclipse um, or something more international flavour like a Duck Creek or a Guidewire. Um, 
through configuration then we can conform all of that data. Many of them have many different disparate underwriting and claim systems and we're pulling all of that information into what we consider a finance data warehouse. So something architected specifically for the FD uh, and actuarial teams um, to give them what they need to look at the financial health of the business, to respond to statutory and regulatory uh, requirements um, and give management insight about how the, the business is being run. So we tend to think about the way insurers are looking at using technology, whether new or existing. You know, first of all, make themselves more efficient. Secondly, you know, enhance the data they've got or the analytics they've got by tapping into new sources of data. Or thirdly, enable new insurance products. It sounds like the first one is your sweet spot, which is making business more efficient. I, what about the other two? Are you are you helping your clients tap into new sources of data, or and are you helping them be able to underwrite new products? Absolutely, we're an efficiency play. Uh, we're all about doing things uh, faster, more accurately, with less people. In terms of the insights that that, that data gives them, um, it's all sitting in one place. They have probably a far more granular view of the way that the business is operating, which lines are performing well or not. Um, and the, the financial metrics that often aren't available when they're just purely looking at the, the kind of uh, underwriting and claims, um, you know, key performance indicators that, that, that most companies will have nowadays. And who is it in the, in the client that brings you in? Who's your typical point of contact when you're selling something? The FD, absolutely. The conversation is about making his or her life easier um, and giving them something that they've not seen before because many don't know that these sorts of systems exist. I think the only other thing I would add about CFOs um, and FDs is that um, there's been quite a lot of research. Uh, EY, uh, most notably, uh, did a big survey on insurance um, CFOs. Um, and CFOs are taking on a much more strategic role inside the business now. Um, I think it was 48% of CFOs said that they wanted faster, uh, more relevant, more integrated financial uh, analysis. So I think... Um, you know, it's, the, it's, it's not just about number crunching now, it's about understanding what's going on inside your business um, so that you can make informed decisions about what you do in the future. Let's say uh, a great business model if the buyer of your product is also the person that happens to have their uh, hands on the, on the company budget. Um, just on the, the challenges of legacy systems, and as we all know, insurers you know, get a lot of stick, maybe unfairly, for the pace of change. Do you find you tend to get brought in to work on projects alongside existing systems or you know, other companies that are actually looking at replacing all of what they're doing on their financial accounting and, and bringing you in to do that? Historically, um, they just simply wouldn't have um, a system for, for areas that we're, we're looking to address. Um, they will be reliant on, on literally you know, dozens of spreadsheets potentially to, to solve some of these challenges. Uh, more recently, even the larger insurers that ha have something of a backbone of, of, um, of finance processing systems, um, new regulations such as IFRS 17 uh, is meaning that they're, they're having to rip up a lot of what they've done in the past. Um, there's some huge budgets. I know SCORE um, recently released down in um, uh, the Rendezvous that they've got a budget of 100 million set aside for IFRS 17. I think we just lost half our listeners, Stuart, as they rush off to email score to try and arrange a meeting to tap into that 100 million uh, budget. So I want to come back a little bit to the 
the accelerators or incubators or have you choose to characterize them uh, that you've been working on so you mentioned pwc we'll come on to lloyd's uh, lloyd's lab in a minute but be interested to just understand the sort of motivation for a company that's got yeah a, a very strong set of clients you mentioned earlier before that you've got pretty strong inbound inquiries uh, why would you then go and spend time working in a incubator which have historically been more geared around helping early stage companies with some of the real basics about what it is to talk to insurers and how to build a business isn't that a little bit sort of uh, elementary school for you given where you are in your own evolution the way to we felt to really grow was to find partnerships um, and I spoke to all of the big um, players KPMG, EY, Accenture PwC was the one that kind of showed us the most love um, and had already um, put together a program specifically for scale-ups we ended up coming out of that signing a joint business relationship I think we were the only ones so far on that cohort to do that I'd just like to talk a bit about Lloyd's now so on your, your website you talk about working with risk exchanges and the syndicate in a box initiative uh, for those that don't know what those mean it'd be good just to get a little bit of a description of the two of them this is really very much about the future at Lloyd's John Neal specifically has said he wants to see a 50% reduction in expense ratios over the next five years and the future at Lloyd's is um, has set its stall out to um, to deliver efficiencies in the market and, and we see ourselves as very much um, involved in that as being part of the third cohort in the Lloyd's lab, uh, which is very much focused on um, sort of mid and back office um, and trying to transform the way that the market operates. The Syndicate in a Box is an exciting initiative that promises to transform you know, the way underwriting is done at Lloyd's, um, particularly for smaller businesses. And the success of the thing of the Syndicate in the Box is that that has to have a level of automation embedded within it to keep those costs down and to make that model successful. So the yeah the risk exchange there's there's two flavours to that the the, the kind of more simplistic um, class of business where that pricing can be um, driven by um, algorithms uh, where there should be you know little or no human interaction the complex risk exchange which will probably be the next generation of PPL where more sophisticated class of business. Um, there'll still be the um, interaction between broker, um, insured and carrier, those portals and the corporation in terms of how financial information will flow um, through the corporation and, and to all of the individuals. Same on the syndicate in a box side. Um, it's an exciting um, way for the market to open itself up to um, either MGAs that then want to take some capacity and prove themselves, um, either new classes or, or products that um, want to uh, have that opportunity to try their business plans or even established players that want to um, launch a, a new legal entity um, to bring some capacity into a fast track system where they hope to go through all the due diligence in three months rather than 12. So a much easier way, almost like a sandbox environment to bring new capital and, and product ideas into the market. There's a suggestion that you know there will be more limited reporting requirements that's what Lloyd's have said um, but it'll be interesting to see what that that uh, what the impact of that is because finance teams in terms of regulatory reporting that's probably the biggest pressure they face a couple of interesting points there these syndicate in a box and that point about you know where we are now and the Lloyd's building people may be a bit uncomfortable about others coming in and uh, competing with their business but I mean that's the reality of 
all practically all companies that successfully go through this period of disruption it's self-disruption it's, it's actually creating opportunities for people to yes compete and potentially cannibalize but through that you actually get more efficiency so it'll be interesting to see you know, how uh, agile Lloyd's is able to be and you know, how welcoming they really are to people that are actually competing with the core business and then the risk exchange again is yeah it's a really smart move because if you go back two or three years people were talking about technology is going to replace everybody and there no need to be underwriters and uh, the reality is yes there are some things that can be commoditized and should be and it's simple but actually in all areas of technology you find that, that many times you still need the human element in there and you're increasingly seeing technology being used to be more efficient help triage risks but we're a long way from replacing the underwriter I'm kind of interested to hear how easy or not perhaps it is to plug in to the FinSys products uh, you know this whole theme about interoperability and you talked earlier Stuart about you know, some of the traditional uh, heavy costs involved with system integrators it, how are you solving that problem and making it more cost effective for people you'd like to think that the market uh, and the systems in play here had uh, lots of kind of APIs they don't um, the insure techs and, and some of the, the, the first movers are thinking more about that Lloyd's is doing a good job of, of making a lot of its common services uh, API driven uh, with, a, with a strong backbone there for how people will plug into the market and, and retrieve and, and push data around. But we're much more traditional uh, ETL, extract, transform, load with more traditional technologies. It's proven, uh, we're very good at it. Um, and we can take syst- uh, data, you know, I'm talking very large volumes of data into our systems, process it and push it down to where it needs to be very effectively. Uh, APIs will come, but uh, again, until the managing agents and the larger insurers have, have got those sorts of things in place with the their critical systems being their policy and claim systems, uh, there's no point in us moving first on that. You know, we're creating a bridge between uh, finance and actuarial teams as well, making sure that they're actually working from the same numbers, and I, I think there may be some possibly some listeners who would recognize that that's not always been the case. People working with different types of spreadsheets, um, different ways of uh, calculating numbers. And, and really what we're doing is, is instilling a discipline and a process around that to make sure that everything reconciles back to the same single source of truth. Yeah, I have a, a sort of fantasy film in mind where spreadsheets take over the world and they're a bit like co- the uh, you know, the classic cockroach after a nuclear apocalypse. You know, that, that everything else is destroyed, but the spreadsheet still survives. So it's good to hear that somebody else, you know, much as we love spreadsheets, there's only a limit to how far you can you can go with them. So let's come back to the Lloyd's Lab. So I'm interested, you know, what was the motivation for joining and what does life look like now that you've... Uh, found your desks and sharpened your pencils and kind of figured out how to deal with all the people that want to come and be your friend. Say, Stuart. There was the the typical Lloyd's 101 and orientation type meetings. Um, we had a lightning pitch session with John Neal so he could get up to speed with who we were. We wouldn't get close to the people that mattered and the Lloyd's and McKinsey people driving this strategy if we weren't in the lab. And for us to validate what we are doing um, which we wouldn't have the opportunity to do otherwise we felt uh, if we didn't take the chance to pitch and, and, and get through that that process. One of the values that Lloyd's uh, offers through the Lloyd's Lab is tapping into people working directly in the managing agents, the syndicates. Are you getting, are you getting people coming in wanting to help you there as well? 
Yeah, that's that's been great. I, I think all of the cohort have got at least um, five or six different mentors from the market. Uh, I've been really impressed with the seniority of those people as well. Um, f- finance directors, head of finance systems, you know, people that are um, specific to the area that we operate in. There's a mixture of people that want to help transform the market. They're passionate about that future. They can see the opportunity that new technology will bring. Uh, and mentors that can see problems in their own organizations and, and maybe we are saying the right things to help them operate as a business better. So selfishly for us, that's great. It's, a, it's an opportunity to, you know, to work with them or the mentors that are just passionate about um, driving the market forward. Um, they're opening their address books. They're, they're introducing us to other people. You know, John Neal has come out and said that, you know, that he wants to, you know, make some quick wins in the market um, and not just, I think, to, to, to make, you know, that whole initiative look good, but to actually start driving expenses down, um, which is a key objective. I mean, John Hancock, again, you know, has said very recently that the 2020 uh, business planning process is, is going to have a continued focus on expense reduction. So the challenge, I think, is to make sure that cohort three in the Lloyd's lab um, really does actually start delivering tangible benefits. Are you building up to a dramatic pitch day in a few weeks' time with live rock and roll and purple flashing lights? <laughs> We've got the dry ice on order. Um, and mid-November, uh, when it all comes to a head, we will have a demo day. Uh, we've got some ideas of, of what that will look like already because um, 10 weeks will fly by. Yes, they want us to demo to an audience to show what we've achieved, um, but also to speak about you know what the future holds because 10 weeks is, is very difficult. I know some of the old cohort, they are literally building out product um, to the point where they have a you know minimum viable. We have products, they're live, they're proven, but there, there's other things that we want to prove with those products. Um, and if we get the opportunity to work on any of the future Lloyd's initiatives and do some integration or prove out a business model that will work, um, that would be really exciting for us. Is there anything you see that will enable you or the industry to sort of change dramatically with regards to either efficiency or workflow or, or access to data? A lot of the um, the London market, the, the capital is coming from large US insurers, which don't care that everything is driven by bureau messaging and you need to wait for the last day of the month to, to start to close your, your books. Um, they need solutions for that. Um, and, 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 you know, a daily financial close is something that starts to get spoken about now. Um, that is something that the FD will be conscious of. Um, they want up to the minute um, details about the, the performance of the business and the financial state of it, not the end of month plus X working days to close, gross, seeded, uh, reserving, etc., which is the norm in, in the market at the moment. I'd be interested to hear from both of you when you look out there at all the people in this, uh, whether it's in short tech or just regular tech, and if anybody can tell the difference, please write in and we'll give a prize to the best answer. Uh, who, you know, Either who do you like the look of or what, what characterises companies you think are actually succeeding in this space? Uh, my daughter is is deaf and um, she's 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 grown up now and uh, very independent. But I, one of the biggest issues uh, that she has, where she's still very dependent on her parents, is just the small matter of phone calls. Um, she can't make phone calls. She can't receive phone calls. So visits to doctors, hospitals, banks, etc., very difficult uh, to arrange. 
Um, and there's a startup in uh, based in Rome, actually, in Italy, called Pedius. Um, they enable deaf people to make and receive phone calls without uh, the need for third-party help. So, I think you know, tech obviously has a the capability to um, you know transform or make social changes and, and improvements. And you know, that's one, as I say, is very close to home. Well, thanks, Ian. We'll make sure we put Pedius uh, link in the episode notes as anybody can find that. Stuart, what about you? The ones that seem to do well, uh, I see um, people come in from other markets um, and talk about disruption and uh, have a very clear business plan but but dumb down um, insurance and specifically the London market and get into a lot of trouble by oversimplifying what they think they're, they're looking at. Um, they struggle, they, they pivot, they struggle a bit more and they pivot and then a lot of them exit. Um, the, the people that take it um, seriously that, that there are clever individuals in the, in the insurance market that have been trying to, to crack this nut um, for a long time realise the complexities um, it isn't all as conformed as, as maybe the financial services and banking space um, and it's all about networking and relationships and, and that goes a long way with the technology as well and partnerships and ecosystems of services is, is the way forward. Yeah, it's definitely the reality. Although I've got to say, I do have a slight affection for the disruptors of 2016. And I still think there's some space for people to come in and, and albeit naively and maybe a little bit annoyingly, come and tell everybody what they're doing wrong. And I suspect, as those you say, quite a lot will fall by the wayside. You know, now and again, we'll see some ones that actually make a difference so yeah bring it on disruptors um we might be rude about you but we still need you uh stuart you mentioned uh instead london in there we're delighted to have you as a corporate member you've been to a few of our events uh yeah we're kind of delighted that an organization that's still in its early stage is spending money with us you give up your monday evening to go and hang out in a uh, in a dark nightclub with 200 other people drinking uh drinking wine and what's that all about what brings you along to our events the um so I, I, I've kind of done it on my on my own back previously. Um, I, I, I know yourself and, and the other founders um, for, for many years, and, and we operate in it in a few different cities. London uh, by far has the, the strongest community of uh, insurtech um, firms, uh, and it takes a lot of effort to, to build that community. Um, New York, on paper, they've got more insurtech firms registered but but zero community because no one like yourself and, and Paolo and Robin have, have taken the effort to to try and do anything um, there's some others where Hartford and you know one or two individuals are really plugging away to build that and supporting that I think is very important and whereas I've done it on my own and, and taken huge value from the presentations that you've put on and met some very interesting companies joining as a corporate member allows me to invite others in the team that are interested in the networking and what they'll learn from listening to other people's um, ideas and, and business models so yeah we're, we're thrilled to to kind of have the opportunity to join and and allow some of our team um, it, it's it's knowledge sharing and it's 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 effectively training for them because they will hear a lot of things that will impact the way that they work for us and new ideas that they'll bring to the table that about wraps it up so if anybody wants to come and see you presumably they can find you in the lab but what's the best way to connect with uh, with either of yeah, you yeah LinkedIn um, we'll be in the lab uh, half the time probably we'll be back on Fenchurch Street in our offices the other half um, or wandering around the market 
Tremendous. Well, listen, I'll let you get back to that queue of people all desperate to see you. Uh, but thank you again and really enjoyed getting some more insights into what's happening in the lab. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, Matthew. If you'd like to hear more about companies at the Lloyds Labs, you can hear my interview with the team at Describe Data who talk about their experience in cohort two earlier this year. That's podcast number 40. And you can even go back earlier than that and hear me talking to Dickie Whitaker, CEO of Oasis Loss Modeling Framework. And Oasis is actually in cohort three alongside uh, Finsys. And that's podcast number 32. Now, if you're interested in what we're up to at Instec London, you can find us at London, and you'll see their records of our events for the last two years, write-ups on the companies we've met with, and you can register there for future events.